You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is the wrap-up teaching for week five, covering Numbers chapters 16 through 19. All right, so I'm going to spend the next couple minutes just trying to wrap up these and tie together these chapters. Um, also, we're going to look at how a lot of these things are pointing to Christ, which is one of my favorite parts. So last week, we were hit with a really grim story in the narrative, right, which ultimately will bring an entire generation to their last breaths in the wilderness. And this week, it didn't get a whole lot better. Um, however, as we've already talked about today, there are glimpses of hope. Uh, we just have to look for them. And we have to, might have to look deep sometimes, but when we find them, I think it's even cooler uh, if we take the time to look. So chapter 16 starts out with a few guys questioning the authority and leadership of Moses and Aaron and ultimately God himself. Uh, this might sound similar, we haven't said this yet, to the story of Miriam and Aaron just a little bit ago. Um, we're starting to see an inward trend of rebellion and sin and unbelief against, amongst the nation of Israel, getting closer and closer to those nearest to God. Um, it started with the rabble in chapter 11, and then it went to the Israelites as a whole in chapters 13 and 14. Then now we're, having, we're seeing unbelief amongst the Levites here in chapter 16. And then this trend is going to continue with Moses himself next week, um, which Aaron will get more into that at that time. Um, so what is happening here? Korah and his followers are opposing Moses and also Aaron and the priesthood. Um, if you remember at the chap- end of chapter 15, we learned that Israelites were supposed to wear these tassels uh, on their garments to help them to remember to keep God's commands. Um, and also that they are holy and set apart. So now Korah wants to know why Moses and Aaron are setting themselves above everybody else. Aren't all the Levites holy? Aren't all the Israelites holy? So in pure Moses fashion, he falls face down in prayer. Um, And this time he does it before God even brings punishment, if you notice that. Um, He comes up with a plan, whether that came from from the Lord, um, for the 250 leaders to bring the censers and incense um, so God can show who his leader is. In his response to Korah, Moses is really getting at the heart of the matter. Um, The men are overlooking their privileged position that they have been given as Levites, and they're not trusting in God's ordained structure that he has in place. They think that their way is better. Um, Their ideas are better. Uh, They had a desire for position, power, and prestige instead of being satisfied with the special role that God had already given them. Um, Korah and his followers, like we said earlier, are acting in unbelief, jealousy, pride, discontentment. And we said this too, do we ever feel like that as well? Um, Do we ever question where God has us, um, where he has us in our lives, where he has placed us, what he has us doing, what season we're in? Um, I spent a lot of time thinking through that a little bit this week. Um, Are we are content and grateful for where he has us? We are in a good place if we are in where the Lord wants us to be. Um, So next, back to the story. Dathan and Abiram come into the picture. They also question their position and prestige as maybe as Reubenites, as leaders, as well as, if you caught this, we didn't talk about this, but Moses and God's ability to take them into the promised land. They, again, want to go back to Egypt. They even refer to Egypt as a land with milk and honey, um, which is such kind of a slap in the face to God who is, is took them out of that. That was slavery. He, he took them out of that land to give them something so much better, and they want to, once again, go back. So the story keeps going. The 250 men who were not priests um, bring their burnt incense, and which is, we talked about, a direct violation of God's law. And God says he's going to destroy them all. Moses intercedes. Um, God then takes the lives of these three men in miraculous fashion. 
Um, however disturbing this might be, God's holiness met their sin, and they were swallowed up by it. These three men led others to rebel and sin, so their public and horrific death would hopefully deter others from doing the same thing, because people saw this. It wasn't just they fell or dead. They were taken into the earth alive. Um, being chosen and set apart as a leader of God's people brings really great blessing, but also great responsibility and more severe consequences when you're leading the people away. These people were supposed to be leading people towards the Lord, and they were taking them from him. Um, and so, um, yeah, so anyway, this part of the narrative then ends with the 250 men being swallowed up, um, and, sorry, being consumed by fire. And then we find here that Korah and his followers' hearts and their illegitimate incense provoked <coughs> God's wrath. Yeah, we're going to see here in a second how Aaron's heart and incense will end it. Um, so you would think, like we said earlier, that the rest of the Israelites would have learned from the mistakes of these men, but they don't, and they start to grumble yet again. Um, God wants to destroy them all, and so for the third time in this chapter, Moses intercedes for the people. Um, it actually says that he does fall face down again, and, and then he, his response then is to send, to send Aaron, which is one of my favorite parts in the book of Numbers, like Lindsay already said. Um, a plague breaks out, Aaron quickly goes to make atonement for them, and he stands between the living and the dead, and the plague stops. One of the most powerful images, I think, in the whole book. Um, and this, to me, is just one of the coolest pictures of intercession and how beautifully it points to our Savior, Jesus Christ, who stands between the living and the dead. Um, he stands between the God of life and light and the people of darkness, rebellion, and sin. He is the only one qualified to do this. And he offered something more precious than incense. He offered his life. He took upon himself the sin of a rebellious human race. And he ended the ultimate plague and our deserved death so we can now have life and enter in. And he is our sin offering that we need to stay in God's presence and enter the final promised land. I just feel like the more and more I think about this, it just makes me smile. Um, it's, it's an amazing picture of, of what he's doing for us. So the story continues on with what I see as God's practical response then to these people's rebellion and their unbelief. Uh, he himself suggests a test to ultimately prove who his chosen leader is. Um, I kind of pictured him saying, uh, you want to know, you're questioning who my leader is. Well, let me show you in a miraculous fashion. Um, so through the budding of Aaron's staff, God brings a dead thing to life. I think I said this earlier. Did we catch how this points to Christ? Out of the grave or death, God brings life through Jesus' resurrection. Um, which I just love that picture. So God gives his authority to Aaron as a leader. And like we mentioned before, we're going to move then quickly into 17 through 19. Um, sorry, 18 to 19. We said this, I think, one of the first weeks that we were here when the narrative kind of stops and halts and there then is laws and commands mixed in. We want to kind of take a step back and ask ourselves, why is this here? Let's take a closer look. Um, there's a reason why it is where it is. And um, you're going to notice these, these two chapters follow the rebellion and unbelief of the Levites. Um, and these are instructions from the Lord concerning a proper approach to a holy and just God. Um, God starts, to talk, starts with talking to and giving commands to Aaron specifically. I don't, I don't think we've really mentioned that, um, which is one of the first times that he does this. He normally talks to Moses, who then talks to Aaron, but this is him talking directly to Aaron. Um, and we just got done seeing how God was showing Aaron's authority publicly, and now he's talking directly to him. 
Um, we learn here that the role of the priesthood and the Levites is a gift from God. Um, being able to serve God and be in his presence is a gift. Let us not forget that in our own lives. Um, despite the sin of some Levites in chapter 16, God goes on to reaffirm his commitment to them. I think that's a show. It's, it's his mercy um, and his goodness. And the, he's showing them that they are his chosen group by providing for them through offerings and tithes of the people. The Lord tells them, I am your share and your inheritance among the Israelites. So lastly, we come to chapter 19. We didn't actually get a chance to talk much about this here in our discussion, um, but this was needed and as a response to what was going on in the camp. Um, you could just take in your mind and try to picture the camp right now, and Amy kind of directed us toward there. There are nearly 15,000 dead bodies at this point. Um, Aaron came between the living and the dead, but there are still 14,700 people that died, plus those 150 <coughs> other men. Um, so there are a lot of dead bodies scattered around. So chapter 19 actually gives the people a way to deal with this mess and become clean. And again, it's a showing of his mercy to his people. So through a very detailed chain of events, uh, the priest instructs someone to burn a red heifer, and they both have to wash themselves. Then someone else gathers the ashes, which will be mixed with um, water to create a cleansing solution, and that person has to wash themselves. If a person touches or goes into a house with a dead body, they have to wash themselves. Um, the person sprinkling them with the water also then has to wash themselves. So there's a lot of layers here. There's a lot of details in, in there that maybe were a little confusing, but that's kind of what we're looking at here. There's a lot of layers, and this seems like a kind of drastic measures to remain and, and become clean. However, it ultimately shows us the magnitude of God's holiness. Death is the opposite of the God of life, but he still wants to dwell with his people, and he's giving them a way to do that by I don't know exactly where all the dead bodies went, but I do know that they had a way to be clean, and some, sometimes it was seven days, sometimes it was overnight, depending on the person and, and how, what it looked like, but he was giving a, giving a way for him to still dwell with people and death and sin. Um, so let's not miss that. So here, once again, with this idea of this cleansing water, um, we can see Christ, whose blood becomes our cleansing solution. So in these chapters, we see the pattern occurring once again. We didn't talk about that, this yet today, but God gives a command. He says who his leaders are, his kind of appointed leaders. The people, more specifically these Levites and some other leaders, disobey. God punishes through fire, being swallowed up, and plague. Moses, and now Aaron, intercedes, and God shows mercy for his people. Although many people died in this story, God also forgives. We've been saying this a lot each week, um, but I think it's here again. God punishes, but he also forgives. And even though they sinned, he showed the Levites that he still cared for them through the explanation of their provisions. He made a way to continue to dwell with his people, even though sin and death were very evident. And he does the same thing for us now. Through his son, Jesus Christ, we sinful people can be in the presence of a holy God and share in his inheritance. So I want to leave you with this question. Um, do we see and understand the depth of our own sin and the gift that salvation really is? Let's not take that for granted. I know I'm guilty of that, but I want us to think about that more this week. I want, us to, challenge, I want to challenge us to take time to really think about the gospel and what it means. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal sin in our own lives and lay it at the feet of Jesus, who is standing between the living and the dead as our intercessor. God wants us to draw near to him. So let's do that this week. 
That is all I have for you. Um, yeah, we should probably just end in prayer. So Aaron's going to do that for us quick. <clears throat> oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for uh, your word that you give to us, Lord, as a gift. Thank you for your gospel that you give to us as a gift. And I just pray that you would humble us, Lord, and uh, that we would not be hardened by pride, that our hearts would be open to you and just fill us with um, the fear, the fear of the Lord also, God, uh, that we convict us of our sin and then remind us of the goodness of your grace and your forgiveness. Um, yeah. I just pray all these things over these ladies and that these truths would really feel real to them as they encounter everyday life and as we just encounter all the things that happen, um, that we just remember that we can hold together the difficulty and the truth, and just that you are in all those things. Yeah, in your name, amen. <laughs>